is to uh, share with you a, a classic teaching that you find in early Buddhism that, that addresses kind of our human situation and gives us a way of reflecting on our human situation that can be really helpful in terms of how we are in the world, how we're being with our own lives and, and the lives of others. And I'd like to share with you this teaching that you find in these, uh, these discourses, these Pali discourses, Pali being the, the early scriptural language of Buddhism. And it goes, there are five things that have been well taught by the Buddha, the one who knows and sees, that are to be contemplated daily. daily. What are the five? I am of the nature to grow old. I have not gone beyond growing old. And then the second one, I am of the nature to become sick. I have not gone beyond sickness. The third one, I am of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond death. The fourth one, all that is dear and delightful to me will change and vanish. And then the fifth one, I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions, born of my actions. Abide supported by my actions. Whatever action I do, whether skillful or unskillful, of that I will become the heir. Of that I am the owner. These five daily reflections. And... I want to say, you know, here you come to a Monday night and it's like, what, what a drag, you know, these five things. <laughs> Doesn't sound kind of like a bummer. <laughs> okay, let's get together. And I just want to remind you that you're going to grow old and you're going to get sick and uh, die and everything that you find dear and delightful is just going to pass away. Um, so I, I want to acknowledge this can kind of sound like a drag, but it might be different. I mean, it might not. We'll see, right? We'll see by the end of the evening what this is like. But I find it a striking list in terms of what to reflect on on a, on a daily level, this encouragement to reflect on these aspects of being a human being. And I think it's important because these are certain or quite certain. If we just go through this list, death, I am of the nature to die, I have not gone beyond death. This is this is definitely certain. So I just want to break the news to you. <laughs> and, and if that's not soon, then uh, we're guaranteed the experience of sickness. I mean, who, who has not experienced sickness, whether it be physically or mentally, at some point in your life? This is what we, we experience. This is so common to what it is to be a human being. And if we live long enough, then we'll have the experience of, of growing old. And if we live long enough, we'll have this experience that things that are dear and delightful change and go away. Have you experienced that? This is the human challenge. And I think the, the Buddha is just stating what's up with our human situation of what we're faced with. And coming to terms with these, I think, in order to fully and truly live our lives and to maybe reflect on your life in a little bit different way. It, and I want to point out that it can be really common not to come to terms with these. 
For example, a few weeks ago, a family friend uh, died, and he refused to talk about his death with his family up until the end. To the very end, he never spoke about it. So that means he never spoke about what he wanted for his funeral, his reflections about dying, you know, how he was, he, he, he cared or didn't care about his family. Like, he just didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to face it. And he was willing to take extreme measures to stay alive, kind of crazy extreme measures in terms of dealing with cancer. Uh, and it was really challenging for the family. And my guess is probably was pretty tough on him to not to at least acknowledge the obvious. And it's, it's not only that, it, you probably see it sometimes in our society. There can be such an emphasis on staying young and healthy. And it, what I realized to help counter that, it's one of the things that I've, when I've reflected on these, that it teaches me something important, that it teaches me that getting sick and growing old are not mistakes. They come with being a human being. It comes with being born. It doesn't mean I've done something kind of wrong. I'm just involved in being a human being. It's, it's of the nature of this body to get sick and grow old and die. It's just the way it is. And often, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, when you get sick, sometimes we can feel like we've done something wrong. Well, the thing that happened is you were born. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> this is what happens. You know, did anybody raise their hand who didn't get sick? This is just what it is to be a human being. And it's interesting. There's even some spiritual traditions that will talk about how getting sick in certain kinds of ways means that we've done something wrong or there's something wrong with us or that we're spiritually incomplete in some kind of way. And that's why we got cancer or we got um, uh, diabetes or whatever it is. And, and the Buddha situating it differently is just, this is, this is the challenge of being a human being. And I don't mean to say that we shouldn't try to stay healthy and take care of ourselves. It's not about that. This is important to have health in our lives. But why would I beat myself up because I get a cold? It's just what it is to be a human being. <coughs> and there can be an easing, at least I feel, around some of these human challenges. And again, it's not to undermine taking care of ourselves. And even growing old, it's amazing the... You know, youth is great, but also can be held to such a high esteem that we want to shun anything about growing old. I remember I went on a what's called a, a, a particular Vipassana retreat, a, a Goenka retreat. Some of you might be um, familiar with these. It's a 10-day retreat, and it was in Massachusetts. And I remember I got there the first day. I was just hanging out with people and talking, and I was wearing a hat, and I was um, uh, talking with another person, practitioner, who had come for the retreat. And we were talking about, it was funny, because we were talking about impermanence. So I had my hat on, and I took off my hat, and he saw he's balding, balding, and he said, whoa, dude, you can do something about that, you know, you, you don't have to, like, put up with that, you know, and he was really, like, serious about, like, I didn't have to deal with balding, there was, I guess there's all kinds of chemicals or all kinds of things you can do about it out there. It was such a hilarious contrast. Here I am at a meditation retreat, <laughs> coming to turn, trying to talking about impermanence, and then <laughs> advice, personal advice about uh, how to uh, fight against um, impermanence. Because my life would be so much better, you know, in terms of that. 
and it's not only about uh, youth. Sometimes we do. It feels like, at least to me, sometimes hide death. I remember when I went to India. This was um, many years ago. I guess maybe close to 25 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, something like that. And uh, I worked at. Uh, I was in uh, Kolkata, and I was working at uh, Mother Teresa's home for the uh, for the dying. And actually, there was something so relieving about that, uh, just about having death around. It just felt like, oh, this is, this is what it is to, to be a human being. And here it is in all its manifest forms. And in some ways, it was since especially Kolkata at that time was so poor, it was quite raw how people were dying as well. And, and I felt a strange sense of relief to be able to get a, to, to be around that in some kind of manner. I'm not saying it was, you know, it was filled with joy and things like that, but it just felt real. Like this is what it's about and what a, uh, what a uh, important thing to be around. A kind of lightness did come from that. And at the same time, I want to acknowledge that this is one of the most challenging arenas of being a human being. I find this tough to come to terms with, with death of others, but my own death. To come to terms with failing health, to come to terms with growing old, to come to terms with seeing things that I find dear and delightful to change and vanish is tough. And I think it's one of the reasons why this spiritual practice is so important to me, is so I can navigate it somehow. Because I don't want to be like my family's friend who denied it. It just seems like such a painful, narrow way of living, such a shallow way of living, in a way that I'm not really available to others. I think it really impacts how I am in a relationship. So how to do these daily reflections that allow for a different being in the world, and in particular, um, what can come out of it, and what we're going to do for some of the meditation. We'll, we'll sit for a regular time. I'm going to uh, stop the, the kind of the silent meditation a little bit earlier so we can just do a guided around reflecting on, um, in particular, on dying, because I think it can be really a wonderful thing to do, at least from a Buddhist perspective. This is what we're into. <laughs> and so I'll get into the how, and you'll get a sense of some of the reflections that come in with that. But I, I do want to talk about some of the things that can come out of such a reflection. And I want to share actually a couple poems that I think really express this because I feel that, that poetry can express sometimes the feeling quality that arises from these kinds of um, contemplations that are, that are on a spiritual path, a path. And this is a poem by Liesel Mueller uh, called In Passing. And here she is. She's, she's noticing impermanence, how things arise and they pass away. They vanish. And she begins, How swiftly the strained honey of afternoon light flows into darkness, and the closed bud shrugs off its special mystery in order to break into blossom. As if what exists, exists so that it can be lost and become precious.
How swiftly the strained honey of afternoon light flows in the darkness and the closed bud shrugs off its special mystery in order to break into blossom. As if what exists, exists so that it can be lost and become precious. Have you noticed that when you really take in that our lives and the things around us in particular, that's what she's talking about, at least at this point, that I really, when I really take in that they're impermanent, that they're going to die, that they're going to fade away, they're precious, aren't they? Because of that, because they don't last forever. Have you noticed how life and living opens up when I really take that in about what's around me? about the people that are around me, the sunsets that are around me, the flowers that are around me, all those experiences, seeing the preciousness because they're born and they die. And I feel that this is one of the things that can really come out of this reflection. When I, when I take in that, that all that's dear and delightful uh, will change and vanish, I value it and I get clear about what those things are. Because have you noticed, this is what I noticed, is that my mind can get so lost in the to-do list or what I'm doing every day and in the kind of the, 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 kind of the machinery of day-to-day -day living, I can forget, I can forget really what's valuable, really what's truly precious in my life, what really counts. You know, as Milan Kundera says, he said, when we go fast, we forget. We forget what's important to us. Have you noticed this about the mind? Be so tragic. So I think that's a beauty that can come from reflecting on reflections on death and impermanence is the preciousness around us. I remember when, uh, right after I got married, my wife and I just as kind of a sexy thing to do, we decided to do a reflection on death, you know, of each other. Isn't that a great thing to do after you get married? <laughs> it was actually in, in our, our wedding vows to acknowledge that our relationship, our relationship's going to end in two ways, one of two ways, either in death or some kind of estrangement. Those are the only two choices. That's the way it is. What is it like to go into a relationship with anyone with that acknowledgement? You know, either a parting of ways or death. And I actually found it so incredibly helpful because it made me realize how much I valued this relationship and, and, and what it required of me to value it. And as I'll get in later, you know, it was tricky. As with all reflections, sometimes there was a, a sense of connection and, and open-heartedness. Sometimes there was a lot of fear or even despair that would arise just because of the mixing up that would happen, the stirring of noticing the things that are around me that are, I find dear and delightful, that they'll soon change and vanish. And yet it brought forth this quality of preciousness, of gratitude, which is so important. And it's not only the things around us to contemplate this, as I did with my wife, but also in terms of my own life. 
And what do I get out of that when I, when I really reflect that, that um, as it said, my death is certain. And what makes it even trickier, and the time of my death is uncertain. That's the heart of the reflection. My death is certain, and the time of that is uncertain. Because I, I, I don't reflect on that. I, I, reflect, I think that I'll make it home tonight. That's not guaranteed. There's streets I have to cross. I can trip and fall. I can have a stroke. These are all possible. It happens every day. So I want to share with you a poem that, that expresses also what can come out of it when I reflect upon my own life and its ending. And it's a, a poem by Jane Kenyon called Otherwise. And she actually wrote this in the last year of her life, life when she was, um, uh, she'd been diagnosed with cancer a while before that. And so this was on her mind. She says, I got out of bed on two strong legs. It might have been otherwise. I ate cereal, sweet milk, ripe, flawless peach. It might have been otherwise. I took the dog uphill to the birch wood. All morning I did the work I love. At noon I lay down with my mate. It might have been otherwise. We ate dinner together at a table with silver candlesticks. It might have been otherwise. I slept in a, in a room with paintings on the walls and planned another day just like this day. But one day I know it will be otherwise. Do you hear the gratitude that's in that just by the reflection that it might have been otherwise and to realize that one day it will be otherwise? And the small things, eating cereal with a sweet peach, taking the dog uphill to the birch wood. So often have you noticed it's those small things that are so valuable, that are so precious in our lives. It's amazing how we can think of the grand things and miss the small things. And yet somehow with this kind of reflection, such that simple yet precious world can, can open up and its value. And I, I want to come back to this reflection, and we'll do a little bit of this, but, but it's, I think it's, uh, sometimes it's what I find so helpful if, if I reflect that I'm going to die tonight or tomorrow or the next day, what's really most important to me? What truly is most important to me? And it doesn't mean that I give up my long-term visions for my life or my relationships, or the things I'm doing, or to have high aspirations. It's not about that. 
but it's putting them in context, to put my aspirations and my long views into context so I don't forget what's important to me, so I don't get lost in that rat race and then find myself confronted with death and merely filled with regret. And hopefully you can hear the flavors that I've been sharing with you. There can be a quality of preciousness that arises around the things in our lives, in our own lives. A quality of gratitude for what's just happening right now or in the next moment or the next moment. What a beautiful thing just to be alive and to really touch that. And then this third point, the clarity that comes with that. Oh, this is really what's important to me when I reflect on this. This is so important to me. Oh, that I had the love that I have for others and expressing it, or the connection I have with this person, or doing this kind of work, whatever it is. I think these are the, the promises of such a reflection. And as I mentioned when I was doing this, you know, around my wife when we got married, it's not always easy. You know, as I said, sometimes it can evoke a kind of fear. But I want to say that's not the end goal. And it's important to remember that. So if I'm lost in fear, I need to kind of reorient in a way. It's about really opening up to our lives in a, in a, in a different way. But sometimes I have to go through those difficult times to really touch what I would call what's onward leading in my life. What, it gives forward move, movement to it. Was, uh, one author said, he, he said, a bit sharp, but I think true. He said, uh, despair is the only cure for illusion. So we, we live with all kinds of illusions and delusions. Without, without despair, we cannot transfer our allegiance to the way things are. You could say it's a kind of mourning period for our fantasies, a kind of grieving period for our fantasies. And it's true, some people may not survive this despair, but no major change within a person can occur without it. So this is part of the process to really open up to this deep gratitude that we hear Jane Kenyon talking about or the preciousness that Liesel Mueller's referring to. And then maybe one more poetic expression of a reflection on death and what arises out of it. There's a, a poem entitled, When Death Comes. I think there's something rich about these images of how death comes in a poetic way. And she begins, when death comes like the hungry bear in autumn, when death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut. When death comes like the measle pox. When death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades. I want to step through the do door full of curiosity, wondering, what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and I look upon time as no more than an idea, and I consider eternity as another possibility. 
and I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy and as singular. And, as e and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending as all music does toward silence. And each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say, all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Do you hear the clarity that comes from her reflection? She's clear about what she wants to be able to say that all her life she was married to amazement and this process of taking the world into her arms. And she's really clear about what she doesn't want. To find herself sighing and frightened and full of argument. So what we'll do now is let's... Uh, uh, stand up and move and stretch a little bit and then we'll get ready for the sit and I'll frame it a little bit around this this frame. <laughs> 